in Tannehill, starting from the 25-yard line. And it's going to be play action on first down. And the pass is going to be caught and will be a first down. Kenny Stills. What's up, Doll fans, and welcome into the Friday, August the 10th edition, the post-game edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Dolphins are back on the field in preseason action. Ryan Tannehill's return, four rookies shine through in tonight's game, and the defense Still a little bit concerning. The skill set stocked full of talent and so much more to get to on this podcast. But first, I kindly invite each and every one of you guys to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review once you are there. You guys have made us a top five podcast in the Lockdown Network, so much appreciation for that. Follow me on Twitter. Vote the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Fins and check out the number one blog in the Lockdown Network, LockedOnDolphins.com, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's kick things off with the Mad Dog. And the Mad Dog, Jim Mandich, leads us into our news items for the day. And there were six inactive players on Thursday night. Those injured players were William Hayes, Jake Brendel, A.J. Derby, and veteran days off went to Cam Wake, Rashad Jones, and Frank Gore, all very well earned. And a little bit of somber news before we get going here. It looks like Mike Hole's season might be over before it ever got started. He was caught up down around the goal line and exited the game on a cart with all the Dolphins players sending him off in the type of fashion they do when a player is lost for the year. But that is it for all of the injury news and the updates on players missing the game. Let's go ahead and kick things off with first down. That's another Miami Dolphins. And we have to get this part of the show out of the way first. Play the hits, they tell us, and talk about the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, 608 days since he last played an actual football game, not talking about practice or scrimmages or what have you, the first time he saw an NFL stadium with an NFL defense on the other side of him. And it went pretty well for him. The very first play of the game, the audio you guys heard off the top of the show from Dick Stockton and the insufferable Bob Greasy, that pair, and Nat Moore as well, making up for one of the worst trios in broadcast history, but nonetheless, they talked about Ryan Tannehill's rollout pass, a first play, play action pass, sprint right, naked boot, Kenny Stills coming over the formation on an over route, the play was looking like it might have been dead, Tannehill kept it alive, kept it alive, and threw to Stills who flattened his route out and made a completion for 14 yards and a first down. The Dolphins from there went no huddle, tempo offense, they substituted pretty early on, that first play was out of 12 personnel, they brought 11 personnel onto the field after that, Marquise Gray goes off the field, Danny Amendola comes on the field to join Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker as the starting receivers. Kenyon Drake, the starting running back. The offensive line was, as you guys know, Tunzel, Sitton, Kilgore, Davis, and James. But Tannehill looking sharp in that early part of the offense. And what I think stood out the most about Ryan Tannehill's game was his ability to command the offense, get them into the right checks, the right plays, and the right calls with a sped up type of tempo like they ran in this game something they haven't been able to do in the past something Adam Gates has wanted to do for a long time so he completes four out of his six passes for 32 yards it just a mediocre 79.9 passer rating but you saw the command and the most impressive play was a third and 11 when the Dolphins 
were looking at a pass play, but the Bucks backed way off, went to a cover four with four defensive backs right at the sticks, and they had a heavy outside pass rush. Their defensive tackles rushed on the outside as well and freed up the middle of the defense. Ryan Tannehill checks to a running play, gets Kenyon Drake involved in there, and he picks up 10 yards. They hustle to the line, fourth and one, and convert because of a Dan Kilgore surge up the middle that gave him the first down. And Tannehill, for what... As good as he was in a couple of those plays, he did miss two throws, the last two throws of the series. Maybe a little bit of rust, maybe a little bit of shaking that off, but he moved around in the pocket well. He bought some time against some pass rushing. Adam Gaze did say that Ryan Tannehill could have pilled an orange back in the pocket, so that's good to hear. If they get protection, if they get the running game going, things are going to be very, very bright for this Miami offense. And we'll get to more of that, talking about the running backs as well as the skill players first. Let's go ahead and talk about the players who saw their arrow go up on Thursday night and the players who saw their arrows go down on Thursday night. Up first, number one, Jerome Baker, the rookie linebacker out of Ohio State, played so fast, so decisive, and tackled so well. Squared guys up in the backfield, was going sideline to sideline. He looked very, very impressive. And he was the first linebacker onto the field in nickel packages in terms of those guys that rotate through that might get a crack at that spot. And he might even usher out Kiko Alonso out of some of these plays because he looked really sharp. And you can see that speed showing up on tape. A very young player, a good chemistry there with Raekwon McMillan on the inside. We'll talk about Raekwon here in a minute. Number two on the arrow up, Sonoris Perry. We talked about it last preseason. He has a real knack for running in an outside zone scheme, and he looked very good in this game, breaking tackles at the line of scrimmage, getting into the secondary, had a nice touchdown run as well, so he looked very good. Vincent Taylor, the defensive tackle, the second-year pro out of Oklahoma State, was as disruptive as ever, getting into the backfield for TFLs. He looped around on a stunt with Jordan Phillips for a sack of Jameis Winston. So very nice looking game from the second year defensive tackle. Number four, Kalen Balage, another rookie, the Arizona State running back. He got plenty of run in this game. I think it was 24 snaps, all things told, in that first half. And he had a lot of impressive highlight types of runs, as well as a pass catch or a catch on a screen pass that he ended up fumbling. But nonetheless, he hurdled a guy and looked very impressive in the process. And number five, Isaac Asiata, the left guard, played very heavily in the first and second quarter of this game. Did some nice work getting to the second level. He freed up Sonoris Perry for that touchdown run, getting a down block on a safety on that play. So he looks nice. He looks trim. He looks in better shape and in more control than he was at this time last year. Arrow down players, the opposite side of the spectrum. Number one, Brock Osweiler. I don't know if he's going to survive even past this week. He looks just dreadful out there. He was the fourth best looking quarterback on the day. Number two, linebacker Raekwon McMillan. It was not a good day for Raekwon, and I'm not worried about it yet, but he just looked lost in coverage. He looked like he was taking the, or he did take the cheese, I should say, on a touchdown run in the first quarter where he bit on a ball fake and didn't find the right gap. And some of these linebackers are having issues where they don't really attack the blockers in front of them. They try to work around them and they wind up getting washed out of the play and not maintaining gap integrity and the defense falls apart because of it. Number three, Akeem Spence. He had a rough day inside as well, trying to play that penetrating style of defense with Chris Kusarek, the new coach on the defensive line coming over from Detroit. Both of those guys spent struggling in game one. Number four, Stephon Anthony talked about with Raekwon McMillan, not attacking these down blockers and getting washed out. That was Anthony all night against the run. Didn't play good against the pass either. And number five, Charles Harris. I, he played a lot of reps in that first half and I thought that his burst wasn't very impressive and his counter moves were not very good either. So he didn't get any pressure on the quarterback in this game. And anytime you have a preseason game, you're obviously going to have a lot to look forward to and a lot to correct in the film room. And we'll talk more about this game next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. It's at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. 
All right, pressing on into the second segment here of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, recapping the Dolphins' 26-24 loss at home against Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the preseason week one opener. Lots of good, lots of bad to get to in this game. And the Dolphins ran quite a few plays in the first half on offense, 39 all things told, 30 of those plays coming from 11 personnel, Nine of those plays coming from 12 personnel, and that was it. They were going two tight ends or one tight end with three wide receivers all game long. And the notable snap counts talked about Kalen Balazs, 22 reps as a running back in that first half. Jakeem Grant got 25 reps, and he was explosive getting down the field, making plays. He had a really nice diving catch. They ruled him out of bounds. It was very close, but he also drew a pass interference on the play, so he looked very good doing that. Isaiah Ford got himself into the game for 10 reps. He ended up coming on strong in the second half, caught a touchdown pass, and looked very good in the process. But speaking about these receivers and what they have done in this game, what they have done this offseason, there is just so much to choose from in terms of what you have with different types of varieties, different packages, and different routes you can run. I mean, we talked about the running backs. Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balazs, Norris Perry all looked fantastic in this game. As far as the wide receivers go, Kenny Stills got free, got open. Albert Wilson, he looked so nice in that 12 personnel package. Him and Jakeem Grant, the speed receivers, they motion Albert Wilson in tight with David Phil as a quarterback. He runs a double move comeback route where he just sets the guy up and embarrasses him, comes back to the football. He has a really big explosive first step. So he looks very good in this offense. Once again, it feels like Devontae Parker could be the odd man out in this offense because Mike Gesicki really showing you what he can do as that Y ISO position they tried to fit Julius Thomas into last year. He had a three by one set where he was left alone to the boundary of the formation and he splits out wide like a wide receiver and runs a sluggo against two man coverage. So there's a cornerback in front of him and a safety to the inside. He gets upfield, does a stab step inside, which sells the safety to stay inside, gets back to the outside and puts himself in position to make a fantastic catch and a rebound. But David Fells sails it over his head and Kaseki can't quite haul it in. But you're going to see that red zone impact happen really quickly with this offense and have a big impact going forward on the 2018 Dolphins offense. Thomas Duarte got himself 21 reps on offense as well as a tight end. So he and Gavin Escobar played quite a bit as well as Mike Gesicki. The offensive line, the starters played 10 plays. That first drive went 10 plays. And then the second team line, Sam Young, Isaac Asiata, Mike Matthews, Ted Larson, Eric Smith, they all played 29 reps. Like I said, Asiata played pretty well. Sam Young had a rough night and so did Eric Smith on the offense. And you flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. One of the interesting notes that I found in this game was you have a pair of defensive tackles that are kind of like a hockey rotation type of line, a two-line man, a two two-man, two-line type of deal where Devon Godshaw and Akeem Spence are the first guys in, and then Jordan Phillips and Vincent Taylor come in as a package group. Godshaw and Spence played 18 reps. Phillips and Taylor played 11 reps. Again, this is first half reps. I didn't count second half reps. What an arduous task that is, counting reps. Kudos to our friends over at Pro Football Focus for them for doing that. That is a crazy task to take on, especially in a preseason game when guys are shuffling in and out. Charles Harris, again, 20 reps in that first half. Not a lot to write home about. Jerome Baker was the highest playing defensive player. 23 reps. He and Minka Fitzpatrick were right there at 22 reps for Fitzpatrick. Actually, Cordray Tankersley had 29, and Tankersley started the game as the corner alongside Xavier Howard. So looks like he has the leg up on that battle. Bobby McCain might figure into that mix, but he only played eight reps all as a slot cornerback there. So that's the defense was really questionable in this game. Matt Burke ran a very, very soft cover two shell where they were giving up everything underneath and the middle of the field was just completely exposed. The Bucks offense did a good job with Jameis Winston, granted, in the second quarter because 
He didn't start the game. Ryan Fitzpatrick did. Winston comes in the second quarter because of his suspension, and he plays really well because they run these two-by-two sets, two receivers to either side of the formation, and they'd run one to the flat and one to the middle of the field, and the Dolphins linebackers kept biting on the fakes to the outside. The safeties were too far back, and the corners couldn't recover in time, so it was just easy pickings over the middle of the field and not very much fun to watch when that was going on. So defense got victimized a little bit in that way. They rotated a lot of guys through. I thought that there was a strong mix of guys that can play in different packages. We saw some young players really shine through. Later on in the game, Jonathan Wooder, the defensive end, had a nice game on the outside. Cornell Armstrong, the sixth-round draft pick from Southern Miss, he tackled very, very well, something he did in college, which showed up on tape in this game as well. And as a whole, I think the defense had some ups and downs. Mika Fitzpatrick played a really good football game from the safety spot. He played in the cor- in the nickel. He played the center field safety spot. He came down in the box, did everything you expect him to do as a rookie in his first year with the Miami Dolphins. He had two back-to-back pass breakups on a second and third down on a Buccaneers drive in the first quarter that ended the drive, so that was nice to see him step up and make some plays. I thought TJ McDonald moved around pretty good. I think they're going to find a pretty good role for him as a quasi-nickel linebacker slash safety that can do a bunch of things for you there. Obviously, we'll see more with Rashad Jones when he gets back. The pass rush was really left wanting. Andre Branch didn't get a whole lot done. Cameron Malveaux didn't get a whole lot done. I thought Malveaux had a really rough night, especially early on. He got washed out completely on a touchdown run from Ronald Jones. So the defense, a very mixed bag. The offense, a pretty mixed bag. But that's what you expect this time of year in the preseason. And we have some more notes to get to on the podcast here, including the fantastic four rookies, some special teams notes, and some other stuff, some housekeeping as well. Here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, at Wingfield NFL, at Locked On Fins. And pressing on into the final segment of the first preseason game recap, the Dolphins' 26-24 loss at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Hard Rock Stadium. We've covered the offense, the defense. We've covered the snap counts, the personnel groupings, all of that stuff. And you guys can find out more of this stuff on LockedOnDolphins.com. I have plenty of GIFs up there of the highlights, the lowlights of the game, as well as my Twitter account, at NFL, live tweeting the game and giving you guys all the coverage you want on this Miami Dolphins football team. And speaking of this Miami Dolphins football team and one of the ways you make a quick turnaround in this league is to have a dynamite draft class and infuse your team with young core players that can really have an impact on the team and I'm telling you I think the Dolphins they might have done that and you look back to the Saints last year and the jump they made with Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramchek, Marcus Williams, Alvin Kamara, and these four guys that contributed so big in their deep playoff run last year. Well, the Dolphins this year, it looks like Minka Fitzpatrick's an absolute hit. Mike Kosicki looks like an absolute hit. Kalen Balazs looked really, really good in that game last night. And then you also have... Jerome Baker, who for my money earned himself a lot of playing time in the season already. I expect him just to get better as he goes forward. Four very young players that shined, had some good numbers on their defensive and offensive stats. Kaseki didn't have a catch, I don't believe, but he did get open. Should have had a touchdown on that awesome looking sluggo. So good to see all of that. As far as special teams go, that's another big one you look at this time of year. Like I said on the podcast on Thursday, if you are on the team covering kicks and covering punts and doing that type of thing, you'll probably find yourself on the roster come September. And the Walt Aikens-led crew, as I call them, it's his his group now. Michael Thomas is gone. Walt Aikens is in charge of the special teams. He'll probably be a captain. They saw Gavin Escobar, Mike Hull, Durham Smythe, Maurice Smith, Sonoris Perry, Jerome Baker, Terrence Garvin, Quentin Poling. I believe Cornell Armstrong was out there for a little bit. Jonathan Alston was out there. Jordan Lucas was out there. Tons of guys getting looks, but... 
but those main guys I mentioned first were the ones that were really prominently featured on the special teams units, and those guys have a great chance, like I said, to make the opening day roster because of their work on special teams. Definitely the first place you look when rounding out the back end of the roster. And speaking of the rest of the week, we are going to be done here on the podcast. The game wraps things up for you guys. Like I said, LockedOnDolphins.com, that piece is up there for you guys to check out right now. Plenty of news and nuggets in there. We have practice on Monday. The team is off tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday. I'm sure they'll enjoy their three days off. So it's practice Monday and Tuesday, and then they're off Wednesday and Thursday, and they're back at it again next Friday at the Carolina Panthers, August the 17th. And we'll look forward to that one week from today, as I'm sure the starters will get some more run. Ryan Tannehill will probably play a little bit more. Might even see a little bit more Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore, and the entire crew on offense as well as defense. But that will finish up the podcast today, the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockdownFins. And keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog at LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a fantastic weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.